All right. Well, it looks like we're going to start with David and George, and we'll head up North Texas way first. Uh, good morning, David. Uh, good morning. Haven't heard from you in a while. Hope things are good in North Texas. Oh, waiters, everything. Yeah, it's a no, uh, got me. And what got you? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. What did yeah. you say? What got you? Q. Oh, Q. QAnon. Okay. Conspiracy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, something woke me up this morning, so I said, "Well, I'll just talk, talk to Bob." Well, very good. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It looked like y'all had a lot of weather came through your way, a little bit cooler than we did, and uh, I don't know well, though. We it's snow. Yeah, up north a little bit. So. Well, I'm I'm glad you got by without <laughs> without that. It makes it a little easier to get out in the garden and get things planted and growing. As you well know, lots of stuff to do this time of year. You you getting things underway in your garden? Yeah, I got my my uh, kale up, and that's about the only thing I've got planted. Well, my garlic's all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah, it's about knee high. Well, it's time. It ought to be up and growing. And uh, if you're going to plant onions or leeks, it's about time to get those in the ground, too. Yeah, I've still got a few that's left over. <laughs> but uh, squirrels eat everything else up, so. Well, yeah. I don't touch my garlic. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, that's one of the good things about most of the herbs is they're aromatic enough that things will leave them alone. So, uh well, it's good to hear from you. Glad things are going well in your world, and uh, trust it will be a great year for you, and uh, I'll look forward to talking to you again. Uh-huh. I'll talk to you later. Then. All right, David. Thanks so much. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. George is up next. Good morning, George. Well, good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Got a sugar pea question for you. Okay. I planted uh, sugar peas last year. And got lots of blooms, but no peas, and thought maybe I wasn't in full sun. So I planted them in a new location, and I got good-looking vines again and lots of blooms, but still not setting any fruit yet. It's too cold. It okay. um, You will get plenty of fruit set, but uh, the cold weather doesn't really have much effect on the on the growth of the plants, but it will really inhibit, especially if you get a little frost, and I had frost in my place yesterday morning. Uh, it will knock the blooming back, and that is one thing that will influence it. The second thing is uh, sugar snaps, uh, all the edible pod peas, require insect pollination in order to make fruit and this is a time of year when you know honeybee activity and the activity of the mason bees and all the others is really suppressed now i saw some honeybees uh on some alyssum and things at our nursery yesterday and that's the first time i've seen honeybees probably in two or three weeks so uh the lack of pollination is another thing that will you know hinder the production of the peas until it warms up. Now, once it warms up, I mean, you should get a bumper crop because your pollinators are going to be much more active. And once again, the weather's not going to be uh, to cause some problems for the buzz and the flowers. But if I were going to do anything, it's it's a lot harder to pollinate by hand uh, pea flowers. I mean, you can do it. You can get a little artist paintbrush and literally, you know, you'll have to probably take a part of flower and figure out exactly where the pollinia, the pollen-bearing structures are. And what you want to do is take your little paintbrush and just, you know, kind of coat it, just rub it around on the pollen 
producing part and then through the rest of the flower, which will transfer, you know, the pollen to the female part of the flower, the stigmatic surface. And that's what, you know, makes the peas. Now, other thing you can do, there are some plants that are just extraordinarily attractive to the pollinators, to the honeybees and things. And one chief among those is alyssum pansies to some extent, but alyssum is just so fragrant and so attractive to them if you'll plant a little a few pots a little bed of alyssum around that will really help in bringing the bees in and they will do the pollination for you but those are the two things that uh, hold back the pea production at this time of year Uh, one of them is just the really cold nights and the other one is just the lack of pollinators other than that there's no reason you shouldn't get a a good production of snow peas well, okay, I'll be patient. We've got four boxes of bees about 200 yards away, so tell those girls to get busy. <laughs> I tell you, it's uh, uh, there's just nothing quite as good as fresh snow peas. I, you know, I, I, a lot of mine don't even make it out of the garden. I just stand there and eat them as I pick them. So, yeah, do something to get the bees coming your way. And uh, if the nights, when the nights get up out of the 30s and into the 40s, we'll start seeing uh, a lot more uh, set, so to speak, on the on the on the peas. I don't think shade might have had something to do with it, but typically shade will keep you from having any blooms at all. If you've got blooms, then um, the only reason that you wouldn't be getting peas is either it's just a little too cold, or else you just don't have the insect or pollinator activity. So I wouldn't hurt, uh, you know, pick up. They're very inexpensive. Uh, just get three or four little pots of alyssum at a good nursery. Put those out either in a big pot or, you know, plant them around the base of your snow peas. That'll sure get those uh, those neighboring ladies over in your backyard. <laughs> All you got to do is have the right bait. <laughs> <laughs> we better not go too far down that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, you have a good day. You do the same, George. Always good to hear from you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye. All right, let's talk to Alan. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning. Morning, sir. Last weekend, you mentioned Bruce Dooley. Um, I really enjoyed listening to his show. He was managing a uh, milkweed ranch up around Bernier Comfort, and I was just wondering, how, how's the milkweed doing? You know, I haven't really, I haven't heard from Bruce in about a month now. He, Bruce is a, shall we say, a very free spirit. He's kind of a holdover from the from from 30 years ago when when we talked more about free spirits and he has moved to uh out to the alpine area in west texas developing some property out there i know he comes back this way periodically and uh still looks in on this big property he was helping him out with but i can tell you the you know milkweed's not active this time of year but my ranch is not terribly far from the property he was talking about and uh my milkweed has looked good in fact I've actually had more leaves on it through the winter months than I normally have. But whenever I see or hear from Bruce, I will let you know, and I will I will pose that question to him. Um, so far as I know, his uh, email is still active. It's uh, or his website is, and you can email him through that as natureapproved at yahoo.com. In fact, I'll try to bring that up on my computer here in a few minutes and see. But I, I believe Bruce still monitors that website very regularly, and uh, you can probably reach him through that. And you know, Bruce, he loves to loves to talk and loves to visit with gardeners. So uh, 
uh, reach out to him and and uh, see what kind of information you can get directly from him. But so far as I know, that project is still going well. And just looking at the milkweed around my own place uh, this uh, wet fall has uh, really been good for it. It should be a tremendous spring for the uh, uh, for that family of plants, really, for uh, the Eupatorium, for all the things that the butterflies really like. It, it's shaping up to be a beautiful wildflower spring, and, of course, included in those are the things we're talking about, which the uh, different species of butterflies absolutely love. Well, that's great. Um, the story of the um, monarch migration, the monarch butterfly migration, is just fascinating. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm really glad um, that he was involved in that project to grow the milkweed. I don't want to see the monarch butterfly go away. No, none of us do. And uh, it's something that, you know, the combination of planting things that are larval hosts for the monarchs as well as just reducing pesticide use, uh, those are the two things we've got to do. And San Antonio has committed to, uh, and and I don't know how much they followed through on it uh, since we have a new mayor down there, but I know when Ivy Taylor was there, she was very interested in getting more plantings done that would support the monarchs. And um, I, you know, I can't say I, I hope that the city has limited their pesticide use. I know they did not do any spraying for mosquitoes to speak of, and that's good because that same chemical oh. they use spraying there is, you know, very deadly to uh, butterflies and things like that, but... It's a good thing. I think uh, a lot of people and a lot of municipalities in this part of the world are certainly doing their part. But, you know, you bring up the migration. Unfortunately, those butterflies have to pass through a lot of uh, danger zones, so to speak, where tremendous amounts of agricultural chemicals are used. So uh, just every day, hopefully, we make a little progress in that battle. Yeah, well, I really appreciate your show, all the information um, that you give out on your show. Uh, so I really like your show, and it's going to be a beautiful day, so have a good day. <laughs> well, you do the same. It's going to be up near 70 degrees today uh, is what the forecasters say, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be getting the new year off to a, to a proper start. Alan, it's good to talk to you, and, uh, oh, gosh, I'm looking at an empty board again. Um, you know, like I say, this is a good time to get through if you want to get through without any long waits on hold and uh, have time to – Talk a little bit more about things, so uh, give me a call, 210-599-5555. It is a, a, an important time to get things done out in the landscape, and uh, if you're just really looking at your yard and saying, I want to have the best grass in the neighborhood, I want to have the prettiest yard in the neighborhood, two things I will tell you to do this time of year that will help everything in your landscape, especially turf grass. Number one, fertilize. That is such an overlooked thing that people just don't do. Uh, in some people's minds, they think, oh, everything's dormant, so there's no reason to put fertilizer out it or just feed the weeds. It's kind of not true at all because even though you don't see a lot of growth on your plants above the ground, I'm talking your shrubs, perennials, and even, uh, you know, lots of flowers and things, uh, the root system stays active on those plants all winter long. And to stay in this best shape, it does need nutrition. Fertilizer also helps plants, makes plants a little bit more cold hardy and it also enables plants to absorb the nutrients they need to put on that burst of strong spring growth so it's a very good time of year to fertilize using organic fertilizers now don't go out and buy the 
chemical stuff because that has your nutrients in a totally different form, something we call the anion form. And putting out that kind of fertilizer, that's pretty useless. Most of that is just going to wash away, pollute, cause other problems. But when you're putting out organic fertilizers, the nutrients are in what we call a cation form. They bind to the soil. They stay there. The plants gradually take what they need and continue. Again, there are just a lot of metabolic processes that go on, even in the cold weather. And uh, keeping plants well-fed through the winter months will surely give you a better, better start to the spring. Second thing on grass especially is put out that compost. I know it's a fair amount of work, but boy, mornings like this when it's cool, not bad weather to work, just I can't think of anything that would be better for your turf areas than putting a quarter to half an inch of compost out. The humic acids, the things that are in the compost, serve as natural weed preventers, and uh, it builds up the microbial life. I mean, between reducing the weeds and encouraging the growth, compost is just absolutely amazing uh, when it comes to creating a beautiful, beautiful turf grass. All right, let's take a call right now, and that would be Ken. Good morning, Ken. Well, good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Um, I've got a corn plant, an indoor corn plant that's about eight feet tall, okay. and it needs to be air-layered. Okay. And if you could go through that, uh, I'd appreciate it. Well, I will be happy to. It's just gotten too tall, reaching up toward the ceiling. Exactly. Okay. And when you look at this plant, what you're probably going to see is it has the the canes are very thick up to a certain point, and then they branch, and you have little shoots coming out that are what have grown up too tall, right? Right. The uh, stalks are about two foot and three foot, and then it's about five feet above that. Okay. You you will want to, your air layer will need to be above the big cane. The air layer will need to be on, you know, these smaller shoots that come up. And basically, you can choose anywhere from, say, six inches above the big canes all the way up to maybe two feet down from the tip or a foot down from the tip. I would encourage you to go just slightly above where your big cane ends. And, you know, six inches to a foot up above that would be a good place to put an air layer on and what you will do is just carefully strip the leaves off you'll find the leaves break away relatively easily and you want to expose a little section of that stem i can't really call it i guess it is a trunk but it's certainly not as big as the trunks below it but you'll want to expose uh, a little bit of that area maybe about five or six inches long you just want the the bare green stem there and you will take a sharp knife and just kind of slice a little bit out of the side of the stem for about three inches along there. It's just like you're taking a little bit of the skin off of it. You're not going real deep, maybe an eighth of an inch in, and you're just creating sort of a wound down the side of that stem. This exposes the tissue that will form roots. So that's that's why you're first of all taking the leaves off and then making this slice through the outer tissue to expose that inner portion. You will then take just a big handful of sphagnum moss, the long-fibered sphagnum moss like we use to line hanging baskets. Moisten that thoroughly, which usually means soaking it for a few minutes, but moisten that and then just, you know, physically just put this big glob of it over the spot where you slice the skin off of it and then wrap it up either with aluminum foil or plastic wrap. You're just trying to hold that moss in place and uh, also to hold the uh, moisture, retain the moisture within it. But uh, 
I use aluminum foil because you can just you can wrap it around. You can crimp the top, crimp the bottom. It's real easy. If you want to be able to watch what's going on, you can wrap it up with a clear plastic wrap of some sort and then use uh, string or twist ties or whatever above and below this uh, glob of moss to hold the the plastic in place but anyway so you've got uh you've got your moss up against the stem what's going to happen now is the plant senses something in the plant says hey you know my top broke and i better put on some roots because it's going to have to you know be able to support itself so it will begin putting out roots into that mass of sphagnum moss now i have to tell you it happens faster in the summer but indoors as long as your home is pretty warm uh, it will occur in the winter months as well it'll just take a little bit longer it's going to take 60 to 90 days uh you will find that the plant has put off a pretty good root system into that sphagnum moss. At that point, you simply uh, unwrap the foil, unwrap the plastic, whatever's around it, leave the moss in place, but then take your pruning shears and cut the whole top off just below that point. And so what you have is basically a pre-rooted cutting. The top or, or tops, you can do this on each one. I suspect there's more than one stem growing up tall. Uh, each one of those things will have put roots out into that mass of sphagnum moss. You're clipping it off. It's already rooted. You'll pot that up separately, and um, you'll have new plants growing on. The spot where you cut it off is going to do the same thing that great big cane did initially. It's going to sprout and put off one or two or three new tops off the side just uh, below the point where you cut it. And the process will resume, and two years from now, you'll be doing the same thing over because it's gotten up to the ceiling again. Okay, two years. Huh? Yeah, and and well, it just depends on how far you cut it back. But as you know, a healthy corn plant or Cinema Sunshine or whatever you want to call it, uh, it produces about a foot of growth per year. So if you go far enough down to make your air layer that you're down a foot to 18 inches, you're not going to have a new problem for another year. If you go down two feet, it'll be about two years. If the top is so long that you can go down as much as three feet, then you've got room for about three years worth of growth before it's uh, uh, nudging the ceiling again. But it's a, it's an interesting process. It works with many different plants and uh um, like say it's the name air layering comes from the fact that the original way that many nursery plants were propagated, the grower would simply bend a limb and we're talking more shrubs and things like that, or fig trees and all would bend a limb over, would pin it to the ground, put a shovel full of dirt on top of it, and it would take root. And then they would cut it off and pot that up. And that was called layering. And uh, it used to be the most common way of propagating green shrubs. And so what we're doing is just air layering. We're just doing the same thing, but up above the ground level. That's where the name came from. And it's, like I say, it's just a, a foolproof way of taking a cutting on lots of different kinds of plants because you rooted the cutting before you even cut it off the mother plant. So lots of fun, easy to do. And uh, so it's a whole lot easier than building a new house with a higher ceiling. <laughs> okay, that's Bob, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You do the same, Ken. Good to hear from you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, uh, air layering. I do not recommend it on plants outside at this time of year. It's just too cold. They'll just sit there, your fig trees, things like that. 
Hold off on that. You can do your air layers in the warmer season on those. But indoors where you've got, you know, a nice warm environment for your house plants, things like that, they won't root as quickly during the cooler winter months, but uh, they will. You, you can do your air layers in the winter months. And like I say, if you, uh, it, you can do things like that, Dracaena, if you want more ficus plants, whether it's ficus benjamina or the fiddly figs or rubber plants or anything like that, you can put air layers on those plants at this time of year. And I guess those are probably the two most commonly air layered things. Air layering would also work on some of your true aurelias and disagothicas. But anyway, it's just a, it's just a neat method of propagating plants. And the plants, the new plants that you have taken off the top are genetically identical to the parent plant. So what you've got is just a little clone of whatever the plant was. And uh, it will grow up to look exactly the same as the parent plant that you that you took that cutting off of that you put the air layer on. Anyway, uh, well, we're pushing up against the news break here. If you would like to uh, have a question, want to talk right after the news, you know the number. Give me the, give me a call, 210-599-5555. If you are doing things out in your vegetable garden, I know I've got a lot to do. I've spent so much time doing other things in the fall. <laughs> I'm a little behind in my gardening, but it certainly is time now to get onions planted. Leeks will be in the nurseries very shortly. Also, a great time to plant berry plants like blackberries. And if you want to experiment with some of the other berries, blueberries, raspberries, whatever, go ahead. Just know that your blackberries are always going to be the most consistently successful. Gosh, so many more things to talk about. And we'll do that in just a second right here on KTSA Radio in San Antonio, Texas. 